Hey everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a great episode with Cheryl Fletcher today, but before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for your continuous support and generosity. Without you donating your time, your resources, and just your prayers and thoughts as we are pushing this online ministry forward, we couldn't be doing the things that we are doing here and the things that we plan to do, which is really exciting without your help. So if you want to get more involved, you can reach out, text me at 650-600-0402. We have a lot of opportunities to serve coming up in fall and opportunities to serve right now as we're preparing for that. So I'd love to hear from you. And now let's go hear from Cheryl. Well, welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My well, just name is a Mark. Second. How many cameras are oh. there? <laughs> Let's three, keep this Cheryl. in for sure. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, sorry. They're you don't have to look there. at any They're of them if you don't out. want to. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jessica. Yes, and we have Cheryl with us, whose title today is "Surprised by Cameras." <laughs> Surprised by cameras. Oh my god, I haven't been. I haven't been with you guys for I a while, know. so I didn't Welcome. realize. Man, and these are some cool cameras, too. Thanks. You know, it's funny. I thought, like, you know, I knew some people were going to watch the video, Mm -hmm. but I assume, um, in my mind, I think audio is so much easier because you can go on a walk or whatever, but... Some of our staff have been like, honestly, I never listened until you put it up on YouTube, and now I watch it every week. And I'm like, well, great, that I'm glad we're helping somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> our staff. Yeah. yeah, I know, right? Five of our staff are now watching. <laughs> hey, staff. Hey, hey guys. Drop a comment. Say yeah. hi. <laughs> or just drop by my office. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cheryl, good, great for you to be on again. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. How's your summer been? Oh, it's been crazy. And let me say this. Some of the reason it's been crazy, my mom had some health stuff, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you how many people came up to me this weekend and you know asked about mm-hmm. my mom and been praying for her. So, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank um, <clears> you <throat> for praying for my mom. She's doing great. She's good. just good. She's back to. She lives by herself. She drives. She walks her dog. She's wow. not back to Pilates yet because we've told her she needs to wait a little bit. But she's okay. and she listens. <laughs> Well, that one I think she understands. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she's back to, she has far greater social life than I do. She's already been to concerts, really? and movies, it. That's and amazing. all That's the things. That's surprising because so, you do a lot. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Quite have the social life my mom has. <laughs> so, Interesting. Anyway. Uh, but I did play some pickleball this last week okay. and I went. Wine tasting, can you say that on Ooh, church podcast? Yeah, absolutely. With some Menlo mm-hmm. folks, which was super fun. Yep. So, did you stay go somewhere local? Yeah, yeah, we went to um, up in um, Cupertino, Cupertino, Cupertino. I always yeah. want to say Carpinteria. That tells you I'm oh, from Southern yeah. California, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, some friends. That shout out to Kristen and Larry. Uh, they have a membership at that wine club oh, up there, yeah. okay. and um, that was—it's just super fun. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. some good local ones. Yeah. You don't have to go all the way to Sonoma and Napa. Right. There's Las Gatas Hills. Yeah, Cupertino, Saratoga have some good ones out there. I yeah. growing up, Cupertino was such a mystery to me because when I got like my first Apple product, the time was set to this place called Cupertino. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> and I was right. Like, Where is this? That's and so what funny. is this? So right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and from that winery, you can see the um, circle. Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah. The Apple building, that? the Apple mm-hmm. Circle office yeah. thing. If yeah, have access to that. that, that uh, let us know because that'd be cool to take a tour. Well, I found yeah. out that you can't. One of the friends oh. with uh, them was 
she works there, mm-hmm. works for Apple, but not in the circle alien ship place. Mm. Um, and I guess that one is pretty high. Yeah. Mm. Secrets. Yeah. Secrets. secrets come from there. The, the future is in there. The, the future is there. The future is in there. <laughs> the All the robots are in there. There. Ah. It was so okay. I won't go down. This the one of the women at the wine tasting thing. She works with the AirPods department, mm. okay. and I had to tell her. I mean, I, it's like when I was in Hollywood, and when you know you meet a star. This was better. I mean, <laughs> I. I love my AirPods so much, yeah. and I was a late adopter, and so I am an AirPods evangelist now, and yep. I don't know why I waited so long. So, yeah. okay, back to what why we're really here. Yes, which okay. is to talk about AirPods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, because yeah. when Jess and Matt Summers, when we were working together in COVID on online, they had AirPods, and I was on the mm. fence for like a year. I was like, should I get them? And they were like, yes, you need to get them. And yeah. I just like That's didn't right. listen, didn't listen, and finally I got some. Well, COVID was the reason I didn't get them because everyone on our staff who had them, Mm -hmm. you'd be on a Zoom call with them and they'd be like, oh, God, 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 no, my my AirPod, my AirPod's not working. And I'm like, are those things any good? Because I feel like every time somebody tries to get on a Zoom call with an AirPod on, Mm. It's, it's not connecting or whatever. It was the issue because I remember I was looking into getting... Uh, Bluetooth ones because mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. had the cord with the ones that came with your phone or maybe Which my the Z, iPod. No, the Gen I don't Z even know. The cord. Do you know oh that? My gosh. And Why am I not surprised? Back, yeah, the, the stats on that. Uh, Wall Street Journal did a whole article on oh my gosh. Uh, the Gen Zs like the the cord thing, and so that was also I thought, okay. well, interesting. I, I miss the millennials. Maybe I could be hip yeah. with the Gen Zs because yeah. I have the cord. That's yeah. so funny. But, but yeah, so I posted on my Instagram mm-hmm. like, oh, which one should I get? And I had a one of our volunteers from the Mountain View campus. Her husband worked or works for Apple. And so mm-hmm. she's like, oh, like, and I said the same thing. Like, I've had a lot of coworkers who have issues. She's like, well, they just came out with the next generation and it fixed all of those things. So I have not really had that issue. Nice. So yeah, it's it was a timing thing. Okay, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. Cheryl, glad you're here. Yes. Glad your mom's doing better. Yes. I think yes. of your mom a lot. And if you have been in our office, you could thank uh, Cheryl's mom for the cool coffee maker oh, that yes. we have in there. Yes, So yeah. if you've been joining us for... Um, some hangouts around mm-hmm. the office, you might have gotten a coffee from Cheryl's mom. So yes. we all thank you. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Janet. That's mm-hmm. my mom. She is a coffee, she's become a coffee connoisseur and snob. And mm-hmm. so okay. she uh, upgraded her coffee machine this Christmas and uh, we got the benefit of her old one. That's so, yes. so funny. But yeah, great. yeah, it's good. Good. And we had the pleasure of listening to you and being guided by you for Mm -hmm. our series that we're in now, Mm -hmm. the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. And last weekend you talked about a snake and a tree and some people. And Gandalf. And Gandalf. And Gandalf (laughs) and a mushroom snake. That was kind of funny looking. (laughs) Yep. Um, But we started started asking this question to most of our guests that have come on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you actually grew up in church as Mm -hmm. I think about your story, Mm -hmm. but If you did, what was your Sunday school experience like? Or the first time you heard these stories, um, what did you think about? What was it like? Yeah, I did grow up in the church. A shout out to my mom, because I feel like (laughs) the only memory I have of Sunday school where we actually Mm -hmm. looked at the Bible and things in the Bible was the year, or maybe it was just a a season when my mom was my Sunday school teacher, Hmm. and I was pretty little. Uh, So most of my Sunday school experience... Uh, was we were into dramas and music and not even Bible dramas. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so I didn't, I 
yeah, I, I don't know. It might have been there also, and I just wasn't taking it in. Sure. Uh, when I became a Christian in high school, mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, I had some resentment to my church. And it's mm-hmm. funny because mm-hmm. it's like the opposite of what I think <laughs> some people like. A lot of people, it seems like, who are deconstructing their faith or the you know millennials or whatever, they they're mad at their church for like over the top, mm-hmm. like well, I mean things purity culture, too much Bible stuff. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was frustrated with my church because I felt like they didn't, we didn't study the Bible. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I had, had not heard the gospel except in some little drop-ins from some people, and again, my mom was one of those people and others, but, and maybe they were there, and I just, or, and it was there, I just wasn't hearing it. Mm-hmm. But to give you an example, so I became a Christian, went off to college, and came back for my after my freshman year in college mm-hmm. to, and, to work and, you know, all the things, mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe I could lead the youth group at my church, mm-hmm. and uh, so... You know, I'm a I'm a ba- I'm a one year old Christian, two year old Christian at this point, and I'm on fire. <laughs> and so I wanted to lead the youth group, and we were going to actually read the Bible. And um, I had to get the janitor Louie, and he to he we walked all around the church site to find Bibles. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. So I have a okay. little different uh, different. Interesting. I will. Yeah. T- I do want to say uh, there were some great things about my church growing up. I was they were very much into um, justice and mm. care for people. I was exposed to. Um, you know, how do you care for the marginalized? Mm-hmm. I went to Tijuana with them, really, really shaping for me of of my life. And so they were great at a number of things as far as God's heart for the poor, the marginalized, justice, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I really didn't have an encounter with God's word, the Bible, or the gospel, and maybe my ears just weren't there to hear, but mm. that's my story. Interesting. Yeah. That's so. probably pretty, or that's telling to me about how you approach the Bible now mm. and just mm-hmm. your love for it. There's a genuine love, I can tell, mm-hmm. like when you talk about yeah. scripture or as you're praying, you're mm-hmm. quoting scripture mm-hmm. and you're just in it. Mm-hmm. And also, I think you started by with this talk by saying like how we approach it matters. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 How we read the Bible matters. And that is... That is so big because then I did, you know, started reading the Bible and mm-hmm. was exposed to that and uh, was exposed to different traditions of and have been exposed to different traditions um, and understandings of scripture. And I feel like, I mean, I'm still, I'm learning, like even preparing for this sermon, I learned so many things mm-hmm. I did not know. Mm-hmm been to seminary twice i was not aware <laughs> of this the language around the serpent and mm-hmm. isaiah but then all these other mm-hmm. things about yeah, spiritual beings cool. so shout out i you know please go down the wormhole with the bible project they have a whole mm. series on spiritual so beings yep. and really really helpful so i certainly don't feel like i've arrived in my understanding fully of the the bible i just think it's such a it's just such a beautiful book. I do believe that it's living, it's active, it can transform you, and it can change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to be careful because I am a person who 
I think I have a very, very high view of Scripture, authority mm-hmm. of Scripture. We can debate language of inerrancy, infallibility, those kind of things, because they are debatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes I'll hear per- people say, well, I just take the Bible literally. And I hope I take it literally as well, uh, but contextually, right? Mm. And what's hard and we have to always remember is that every cult that's ever started has taken the yeah. Bible literally, yeah. right? Mm. And if you, you know, we, we've just seen lots of abuses in the church that would describe, and I, hey, I'm mm-hmm. so sad, evangelical I know has been a word that nobody wants to use anymore, the purest meaning of it. It's just a it mean, evangel. It's the it's the proclamation of the gospel. Is mm-hmm. and um, it, it's churches that believe that God's word should be proclaimed, like it says in Romans ten. How will they know if they have not heard? Mm-hmm. How will they know if there's not a preacher? But I understand why a lot. You know, we we want to disassociate with that word. But the sad thing is that some evangelicals who have taken the scripture literally or whatever, but then have completely abused the scripture. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, yes, we want to have high view, full authority, but we have to read the Bible. Uh, We do have to understand context. We do have to understand Mm -hmm. genre. Mm -hmm. We do have to, like, one of the things I didn't get to talk about in my sermon, I had, I mean, if you look at my notes from the actual weekend, I have so many sections I had to completely just cross out because Mm -hmm. we, there's no time. (coughs) But one of the things I wish I could have spent time on is the, the, the author of Genesis and ancient Near Eastern literature. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things in the ancient Near East, like in our literature, I'm reading um, a, a wonderful novel right now, and we fill our novels with descriptions mm-hmm. and details. <clears throat> and they almost, you know, if you've ever read a novel that you had to go, is that based on a true story? Is that real? Because it's so, you know, mm-hmm. that's how we write. And in the ancient Near East and in those seasons, like, they they wouldn't put certain details. They just wouldn't think to put that in there. So, for instance, when it says that the serpent was crafty, that that's, doesn't jump out to us because we we write and our literature has all these descriptive words yeah. and all those things. Mm. But in the ancient Near East, those kind of descriptions and those kind of words are triggers. Mm. They're, they're supposed to trigger you to go, oh, just a second, what's he telling me? Mm. And the other thing about this particular, I think, in Genesis, this particular literature too is he is – um, he's wanting, it's like, I, there's a name for it, but it's like meditative, mm-hmm. that the point why uh, he's not answering all of our questions and tying everything up in a neat bow, and if you read Genesis all the way through the mm-hmm. e- e- end of the book, there's so much that's disturbing in there, right? Mm-hmm. And people are messed up, and and I and I think, I don't know if it's, it's Tim Mackey or another commentary I was reading was talking about how, you know, really... The fall in Genesis 3 is the beginning of the falls, because then you go into Genesis 4 and you have murder, mm-hmm. and, and you just see humanity falling, 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 falling further into depravity and debauchery and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But the language in, in Genesis, and in this section for sure, but is the author wants, doesn't want you to just read it and, you know, 
make an application point and walk away. The author actually wants you to read it and be disturbed by it, mm-hmm. be disrupted mm-hmm. by it, so that you can't stop thinking about it, and that you would meditate on the passage so that you're having an encounter with God, mm-hmm. so you're meeting with God around this truth. And, and really, in Genesis 3, you know, you, you could say, well, is this the beginning of evil or bad? Well, we know there's a spiritual being in the, in the garden who's already chosen bad, right? Mm -hmm. So bad's already there. And is this really what the author is showing us is our human condition? Mm -hmm. Uh, When did sin enter the world? Well, maybe this is when I think, I believe it entered in humans, Mm -hmm. but obviously there's sin with the spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. But I think more than anything, the author isn't trying to get us to dissect exactly like how it all went down. Mm -hmm. I think the author is like, no, this is your condition. Mm. And very few of us can argue that there's bad, there's mm-hmm. evil. Um, I, as of when I became a Christian, one of the, I, the first book of the Bible I read all the way through was Romans. Not, not everyone recommends that, but I don't know why I did. <laughs> and I will still, t- I viscerally can feel and remember sitting in my bed in my, you know, high school room at home and and reading Romans 7 and Paul saying, I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. And and then he kind of ends, who will rescue me from this you know, body of sin? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me kind of thing? And I remember being a high school student just being like, oh, he's read my diary. Oh, gosh. Feel, right? <laughs> so mm. I've talked too much. Anyway, it's great. Yeah, but yes, how you read the Bible really, mm-hmm. really matters. Yeah. And just to say, I take the Bible literally, uh, then you can you can be you have to be careful because then you can really abuse it because mm-hmm. then you can just pick the verses that you know I take this literally, right. but I don't take that literally. Mm-hmm. I take this. In. So yeah, one of the important. podcasts, <clears throat> excuse me, I listened to that I've mentioned a couple of times on here. It's that's like the whole premise of the podcast mm-hmm. is reading the Bible through a. Eastern culture, mm. the way it was written yeah. versus our culture. Yep. And that's like his thing is he yeah. says, like, when people would read this text, they're like, for us, a lot of us try to figure out certain things when it's like reality, like what's actually like, what's hitting you? What's mm-hmm. confusing you? What's hurting you? What's like, mm-hmm. what's making you go like, wait, what a second. So like, I love that. Cause that's exactly mm-hmm. kind of what they talk about. And so different than the way most of mm-hmm. us were taught to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but asking those questions is so important. And that's when you find out things like that. You may never have known about Satan and the snake and all of mm-hmm. these things that you're just like, Oh yeah, that, yeah, it wasn't a, might, probably wasn't a literal snake. Mm-hmm. It, you know, might have had legs at one point. Right. It might have been like standing. It might have been huge. It might have been whatever. And yeah, well, it's really the fascinating. Thing in the curse of the snake, when you go down in Genesis, that's when the the snake or serpent is cursed to crawl on the ground. Right. So, again, another clue that this isn't maybe a you know boa constrictor or a <laughs> rattlesnake mm-hmm. or a garden snake. It is a spiritual being mm-hmm. and it has embodied itself in some way mm-hmm. anyway yeah. yeah lots of wormholes to go down <laughs> yes yeah. uh, no but it, it's tracking i mean the conversation about reading the bible and i don't want to say intelligently but 
reading it through the lens of this is only part of one portion of this longer story. Mm-hmm. And you even started the talk with that. Mm-hmm. You you were speaking on mm-hmm. Genesis three, mm-hmm. but you had to start with one and two in order to put it into context. Yeah. And just like with the snake, like um, you described this place, Eden, as an overlap of the spiritual and of the worldly. However, we want to say that earthly, that yep. earth, yeah. And so it. That sets up the context for everything else that comes after. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really that was yeah. really good and a great yeah. way to approach something that some people may say, yes, this was an, a, a place and a certain thing, or other people, this is a story, this is metaphor. Sure. Either way, yeah. it's telling something. Mm-hmm. Um, and your 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 message was to let's mm-hmm. let's look at the bigger picture, the narrative of what mm-hmm. this is explaining and what each of these things mean. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. We also, I don't know, go back to the Enlightenment or something. You know, we. It's so funny that you know, as Christians or people who are searching out spiritual things, but but we are sometimes uncomfortable with the spiritual. Yeah, and yet I know what you mean. We believe Mm -hmm. in a resurrected Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus, Mm -hmm. a, a human, fully human, fully God who was resurrected. And it is very difficult to understand the mm-hmm. scripture without understanding the, the spiritual, right? Yep. And spiritual beings and mm-hmm. God's spiritual presence. And it's interesting, you could also track, there's so many great wormholes to go down, trees all the way through the mm-hmm. Bible, right? Where people have encounter with yes. God <laughs> on mountains and trees where, you know, Moses... You could think of that as kind of an Eden place as well, that that kind of overlapping of heaven and earth coming mm-hmm. together when Moses encounters that tree, that burning tree. Mm-hmm. We call it a burning bush, but a tree, you know, it's a, that's a form of a tree. And and it, he has, actually the bush isn't burning, it's uh, it's not burning, it's not being burnt up. There's this fire and there, there's a conversation with God. Uh, so very Eden-esque, mm-hmm. and you can you can go to, down those wormholes yeah. too. And let's let's kind of dial in on the trees too. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super interesting. I've never I haven't spent much time mm-hmm. looking at this story like mm-hmm. in depth, mm-hmm. but I thought it was really interesting that there were a ton of different trees, but only two had actual names or yeah 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 were identified. <clears throat> yeah, two were yeah. identified. Right, and again. They represent something. There's a mm-hmm. reason that the, the the author and that God is pointing this out, and the temptation would be to see the trees as magical, and so I mean, here's something that I've got to wrap my brain around, right? Because mm-hmm. God says you can eat of any of the trees, and it sounds like most of the trees are neutral, right? <laughs> um, you can okay. eat of any of them; they're yeah, they're sure. fine. Yeah. You eat of the tree of life, mm-hmm. and you will get eternal life. And we see that because we see in Revelation where the tree of life shows up in uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and so it seems like there's something, well, is it like if I could just get that right fruit and I ate it, no matter what I believe, hmm. I would have eternal life. I don't think so. I think it's, again, I think both... As I mentioned, these trees are are representative of choice. Mm-hmm. Do I choose to take from what God says is a is an opportunity and eat of it to say I do believe and I receive that eternal life, 
obviously the giver of that life is is God, right? And the same the like the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, isn't magical. Mm. Uh, and because I don't even think it's that God didn't want them to know good and evil. I think he wanted them to know good and evil as defined by him. Mm-hmm. Because when they take that, tr- that when they do eat of it, and we didn't have time to unpack, like, you know, because it says you surely will die, but they didn't seem to die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if you go to Genesis chapter 5, uh, there's a whole... <laughs> I think it's Genesis 5, and they died, and they died, and they died, and they died. I think mm. the genealogy is listed as the, all the deaths, right? <laughs> um, so, they did die physically, but I think more importantly, there is, a, again, a spiritual death mm-hmm. that has come about that sometimes has been thought of and something to meditate and think upon the like well they were cast out of the garden they were cast away from god god can't look on them god can't be any have any part with sin right mm-hmm. but that's confusing because again contextually god comes after them mm-hmm. god keeps showing up in the scripture he doesn't you know uh he doesn't he's not he's not hiding from them now he at certain points he has abraham as a representative moses some of these but um but yeah, I think there's more in this about what does what does spiritual death look like mm-hmm. and it looks like the shame that was poured out upon them. Mm. It looks like um you know, you guys we we even have me- you know, we have metaphors for this. We we say things like this like, right? You know, you can be alive but feel dead, mm-hmm. right? And I think mm-hmm. it's like this is this picture of yes, you're you're alive but you're dead. You're hiding from the one who loves you most. Uh, you're you're afraid of the one who created you and made you and gave you everything good, mm-hmm. and actually made you to look like him and and shared his identity with you. Um, so there's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. And they ate, but they didn't ask. They did eat, but they didn't yeah. ask. I thought that was really insightful about how if they just would have paused and asked one question the story would have been completely different totally and it was interesting you talked about um something i never really thought about was god was probably there yeah 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 yeah. and yeah so it's like she could have been like um excuse me god you know like (laughs) and so it's like i always you always i think of it in our context of like he's you know Mm -hmm. not he's here but he's not you guys know Mm -hmm. And so then to think like, oh, she literally just had to like turn, which I think is what <laughs> so I think is what we're getting a clue of that in that, you know, right before this, mm-hmm. they are in proximity to God. Right. They're having conversation. Mm-hmm. Then they step into this. And then in the when God comes after them, right? Remember, mm-hmm. they heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think the author, again, is, he's there. He, mm-hmm. He's present. Yeah, I, it's, it's not like he said, oh, okay, you're going to have a chat with a snake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head mm-hmm. over to this. I'm going to go to the furthest edge of the garden, you know, or I'm going to yeah. go over here so you guys can have your private conversation. <laughs> no, I, I, I in my mind, I, I really do believe. I believe he was. He was. He had to be in my mind, and 
within shouting distance. Yeah. Right? Even if he wasn't just. Mm -hmm. But I think even the way it's described, they're in the center of the garden because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're. Right. He's being offered this fruit from this particular tree, which we know is in the center of the yeah. garden. And I think we could also mm. say this is where God's domain was, the center of the garden. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so fascinating of what it means mm -hmm. uh, to, if you want to talk about sin as some theologians say as unfaith. Okay. So mm. then you would say not sin is faith mm -hmm. and relationship and what does that look like? And I think so much of, like, we focus so much on, like, sin, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But what about the unsin, the non-sin, hmm. kind of, I think, could be pulled down into hmm. live in a living, ongoing conversation with the God who created you. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Be the person who doesn't turn away from him, but turns to him. But don't just turn to him, talk to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Listen to him. Mm -hmm. Invite him into. Ask if you yeah. should eat that apple or yeah. not. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. In in many ways, thinking about God being right over there is how we should think and frame mm. what we're going and experiencing today. Totally. Well, and then take it to a whole nother level, right? With the New T Testament picture. Mm -hmm. Insert. Yep. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. not over there. Mm -mm. He's in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you are a Christian. I believe at the moment of salvation, and I'm, the mysteries of, you know, is it a millisecond? Is it a half a second between his pursuit of you, mm -hmm. his giving you the ability to see and hear and listen and receive him in that millisecond? And now he's, mm -hmm. you are in Christ. Christ is in you. Mm -hmm. And so what does it mean for you, as Paul will speak of often, and Jesus spoke of in, you know, probably that most profound teaching section on the Spirit is, I think, John chapter 14 to John chapter 17. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is, and that's where he says, I am, in, I am in the Father, the Father is me, I am in you, you are in me. And then I think he gives that picture of the vine mm -hmm. to give a physical metaphor for mm -hmm. what our relationship with looks like with him and it looks like attachment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. apart from me you can do nothing so hmm. yeah and i thought it was interesting and i love the language um as you broke down snake or serpent or mm -hmm. satan's and another thing was the adversary mm -hmm. and jesus mm -hmm. refers to this the holy spirit as the advocate yes mm -hmm. yeah and so that that juxtaposed language right there i thought that hmm. dude that's that a whole sermon right there i might have to take some notes <laughs> on that mm -hmm. Man, yeah, when I was preparing for this, there were like 18 sermons that could have been oh, written. Oh, for sure. But, mm -hmm. but what a great insight. Yeah, absolutely. The adversary versus the advocate. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's good. And um, it kind of, you, you, you took this in a direction to where it could have stopped there, but then you said, God still chooses to pursue. He doesn't mm -hmm. choose to exile. Mm -hmm. And so despite all of these decisions or whatever else happened, God didn't say, you know, go and do your thing over there now. Mm -hmm. Instead, he's like, I'm going to run after you. Mm. Yeah, I didn't have time to talk about the grace of them being um, taken out of the garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which seems that harsh. That would have been interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so many things. Because, of course, if you go on in Genesis 3, you know that he then, he sends them out of the garden and he says, mm -hmm. 
um, you know, we have to remove them from the tree of life. And he puts cherubim, spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And in Isaiah, it's the cherubim and the um, seraphim. Seraphim. Mm -hmm. And he puts the... Uh, yeah, it puts spiritual beings to guard the tree of life mm-hmm. because God's grace is he does not want humanity to live etern- eternally in a condition of sin. Mm. And so here they've eaten from the tree of death. Mm-hmm. So you think, well, now I c- I'll go eat from the tree of life. So again, this tells us mm. wh- more about the tree of life because the tree of life is eternal life. And God's like, I, I'm not, I don't want them to live eternally in this state hmm. of sin and depravity. Uh, I need to come up with a plan. Oh, he already had a plan. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not plan B. Jesus is plan A. Yeah. And he, he already has a plan that he will bring them eternal life through his son Jesus and through the resurrection. And simultaneously that life is given where then sin is put to death, right? Mm. Sin dies. Mm -hmm. Now, boy, talk about a wormhole and debates and things we can have different opinions on as far as uh, even Romans 7, the chapter I mentioned, some people view that chapter as the opportunity for what's called perfectionism, that you actually could in your human state today before your death and your resurrection as a Christian, you could actually live a perfect life. Now, Wesley, uh, I grew up in a Methodist church. I love, I love Wesley. I love him. I love so much about him. Uh, but I disagree with him on this. He was a perfectionist. He mm-hmm. believed that you could, it was possible to, to actually reach a state of perfection, hmm. although he says, uh, in his writings that he's never met anyone who has. So. Oh. <laughs> well, you got to prove me wrong until mm-hmm. like, until you actually can show me that. I'm not going to believe that. <laughs> well, I think what's hard is in the perfectionism things, uh, potentially maybe you could. I think, you know, we've got enough life hacks and mm-hmm. all the things out there. Maybe you could externally sh- demonstrate some kind of perfect goodness. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the Ten Commandments doesn't let you off the hook with just external actions. Right. Mm-hmm. It starts with a heart condition and it ends with a heart condition. Yep. Uh, have no other gods before me is a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Only I don't really know if God, if you have other gods before mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You can tell me you do. You can pretend you do. You might look externally like you do. You might. I don't know. That's that's internal. And then the very last commandment: um, Thou shalt not covet. That's internal. Mm-hmm. 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 And which is why, uh, yeah. you know, who is it? Uh, Francis Schaeffer says we should love God so much. Um, gosh, what's his thing? We should love people so much that we would not envy, uh, and we would love God so much we would not covet because we wouldn't hmm. want anything other than Him. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. Great. Well, speech, I love what you said about the <clears throat> putting the uh, cherubim. Sorry, at the Garden of Eden, so that they don't go back in because of God's grace, He's making it so they don't have eternal life in this sin, and that's something I've learned recently too mm-hmm. from this podcast mm-hmm. I've listened to is about like it's so hard for a lot of us to read the Old Testament mm-hmm. and reconcile who that God is versus who Jesus is, and like there's so much floods, there's disaster, there's wrath, and all this stuff, but time and time again, God is showing up in gracious ways. Mm-hmm. So really, the God of 
Genesis, I mean, the God of the Bible is a gracious God, but when we look at the stories that way, yeah. there's so much grace in that, in all of those stories, that's just been so powerful for me to like reread that. And I haven't heard that one. So I really like that. Mm -hmm. Just another reminder of God's grace in the Old Testament. It's, it's everywhere, but we choose to see the wrath. We choose to see the flooding and the murdering and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly there are disturbing things and, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, there's things too that we're disturbed by that, uh, you know, there are things that God seems to command and I, I don't know what to do with all of that, right. you know, but God, we never, God never commands polygamy. Mm -hmm. uh, he never, you know, he works within these cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's disturbing things in the New Testament too. Ananias sure. and Sapphira, boom, they're yeah. struck dead. Uh, yeah, maybe it doesn't show up quite as often, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's not a... He's not an Old Testament God who becomes a New Testament God. Right. He's, uh, he is God, who is a God of grace, and he's grace from the very beginning. Yeah. Yes. And I liked how you talked about life hacks a bit. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I heard that, I was like, oh, no, I have to read this whole Bible all the way through <laughs> and never just pick a piece of scripture again to make myself feel good. <laughs> so, Cheryl, can you unpack a little bit of what it means to, to approach the Bible, not in a life hack way, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in a way that yeah. really allows the reader or the person that's seeking God to receive mm. what God has for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the way you said it, and so if I said it this way, I didn't mean it this way, I didn't mean that you couldn't read the Bible to find something that would make you feel good. Uh, and I know you didn't. I'm just, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, but I, was, I was probably kind of rushing there near the end, but uh, I think our temptation is to read the Bible in a way that how can I be a better person how okay. can I be more moral? And so I'm going to read it like Aesop's fable. There's a morality tale here um, or, mm. or a life mm -hmm. hack mm -hmm. for whatever mm -hmm. it is that I want, how I want to present myself, where I want to change. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. Life hacks are great. Um, you know, I follow a lot of life hacky kind of, you know, thought leaders and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but the Bible is is truly it is written as it's written to tell us about God and that's when i think we get in trouble when we're looking for the bible to be our five ways to a better marriage does right. it have wisdom about marriage absolutely mm -hmm. does it say things mm -hmm. um not as explicitly as some people think it is all over the place but mm -hmm. yeah there's some stuff in the proverbs that's explicit about marriage i think paul and in controversial passage but his stuff on marriage he actually radicalizes the marriage code of the day he takes the exact marriage code of the time and he actually empowers women but that's not the way it's read in art through our cultural lens um because in those days women had no rights women had you know nothing it was all the things mm -hmm. anyway there's so much there but but i think i think that's also where the church has gone sideways when hmm. just a little theory I, I know we believe with our brains, we th you know, Jesus is enough, the words of the scripture are alive and they're living, but what we bump up against is in our own life, a struggle to change, we bump up against uh, other Christians and we go, why aren't they changing? And, and then if you mm -hmm. work for a church, you're like, good grief, we're doing all these things and nobody's changing. 
So really what I need to double down on is application. And so I think what the church has at times done is hmm. unknowingly and not consciously move towards moralism. And if I can just get people to be better, if I could get that, then they'll change and their lives yeah. will be different. And there, I don't know, the spirit is mysterious. Um, the work of God is mysterious. That's harder to preach. Mm -hmm. The gospel is good news, but come on, haven't we all heard it? That's so simplistic. <laughs> yeah. God loves you. I can say that enough times. Now I really need to tell you how to do this thing. I believe in application. I believe that that's important. I think it's in the scripture. Again, I think there are ways, but um, but I think we devolve that way because, gosh, if I just take them to Jesus, will they change? Is that enough for them? I need to give them. I think you know, purity culture came from probably a very good heart. Mm -hmm. You know, the desire to keep God's command, His sexual ethic, which is radically countercultural, right in our in our society. But I will say this, I think it was like giving them a vision of Jesus won't be enough, so I better scare them. Hmm. Hmm. And I better tell them about STDs, and I better tell them about yeah. this. And sure. again, those, those are true things, and it's yeah. real stuff, and I, you know, I better tell, you know, I, I better scare them, I better get them, you know, put a ring on their finger to make a commitment that they won't do this thing, you know, because, and I would say, like, um, you know... Do you want, yes, I, I, if I had children, I would not have wanted them to have sex outside the context of marriage. But to be honest, more than that, I would want them to be captivated by the heart of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where that burned a whole culture was unfortunately it wasn't, it wasn't, and I'm not saying it, it wasn't always because I, I believe I worked at a church where I feel like we, we didn't do the, purity culture stuff. I was working in student ministry. It wasn't the kiss dating goodbye. I was like, kiss dating hello. You need to you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't be silly. But um but I did know because I've worked with high school students through college students for the first twenty some years of ministry, um, a heart captivated by Jesus mm -hmm. is a life change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A heart just committed to not doing certain things is not necessarily a life. It's not a life change. Yeah. Yep. And um, I remember a, a a student, you know, sharing with me one time. You know, she was she had become a believer. She's walking with Jesus, and then and she just I think she just been carrying it, carrying it. Had you know shared that she'd had an abortion, and I just I remember I was just like, I'd want a daughter just like you. And here's why. Not that I would want a daughter to experience that or what she'd experience, but this was a young woman who, um, oh my God, and to this day, she's a grown woman with children and married, um, and her heart in her 40s is still captivated mm. by Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's when, and I think mm -hmm. that's where we can tend to look at the Bible as, just I just gotta I just gotta get myself moral or I've gotta get mm -hmm. the people around me moral. Mm -hmm. Um yep. and we miss the whole purpose of the Bible isn't right. necessarily yeah. to give you all the here's five steps to this and six ways to that and three mm -hmm. steps to this. So mm -hmm. It's the it's the story of Jesus, it's the story right. of the of God. Mm -hmm. So 
I love that. I, I wrote down as you were talking, it's less about instructions or insights and more about uh, like a roadmap to relationship with God. Ooh, mm. That's good. Yeah. Mark, you need to be preaching. You got, we got the ad, adversary advocate sermon yeah. that needs to be yep. preached. Yeah. And the roadmap to a relationship, absolutely. I hope that yeah. people are listening yeah. can think about that, and they can have those conversations too with people yeah. that they love. Talk about those topics yeah. because, yeah. really, our heart here is just that people will enter into conversations with themselves about God. Mm-hmm. That they'll conversate with people in their groups, mm-hmm. life groups about mm-hmm. about God and mm-hmm. Jesus and what what they're doing. And ultimately, it's all helping guide ourselves. Mm-hmm to a better understanding of God's character mm-hmm. through reading the lens of, or reading Bible through mm-hmm. a, a new lens. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I, I want to say this. Mm-hmm. I do think, not performatively, but I do think if your heart gets captured by Jesus, mm-hmm. then the, the things that he invites you that are hard, taking mm-hmm. up a cross, a narrow road, mm-hmm. absolutely radically countercultural, those things, I wouldn't necessarily say they become easy, but they... They almost become non-choices because I so want to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want my life to be defined by him. I want all that I do to be done, like you're saying, in relationship with him. And so now I'm making my choices not out of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, that's don't mean to bash on the purity culture thing, but... Mm -hmm very fear-based, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, then you'll have bad sex in marriage. Then you'll have bad, you know, and then they grow up and they have friends and they're like, they're not Christians and they have great sex. What's going on? You know, uh, <laughs> they can see through that. So, uh, but John says, John who defined himself by being one loved by Christ says in his letter, perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. Fear will not last if you are just running on fear to keep you from doing things that God doesn't want you to do, that will that will erode or fall apart, or you will be not a very nice person. But if your decisions and your choices are captivated by that love of Christ, then I don't need to make you afraid. Um, mm-hmm. I can just point you to Christ's love. But again, I'm not sure. That's when I said this in my sermon, you know, we look at rules and we're, you know, it's kind of neutral. Huh, cool. I like mm-hmm. rules. Rules are good. Rules help me. Rules get me through the day, whatever. Mm-hmm. I look at grace. If I really look at grace, I don't know what to do with it. And and here's where if, if you're like, oh, no, I love grace. Do you love grace for all people? Because it's, it's, it's then yeah. as you start to walk with Jesus, it's not just the grace you've received from him. Yeah. It's the grace that you're called to now extend with him, that's good. from him, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Wow, uh, it kind of reminds me of um, what we chatted about at starting point. If you've ever attended, <laughs> this might sound familiar to you, um, but the idea of a well versus a fence. Mm, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, right. The fences, wells and fences. Yep, wells yeah, wells and fences. Yeah, where, you know, fences are hard borders that keep things in, but a well. Well, you can draw from life, and pe- mm-hmm. life will come and stay around that. And mm-hmm. so, that's good. Yeah. And speaking of starting point and stuff, Cheryl, what's going on for fall? We, we yeah, have a lot of stuff coming so on. many good things <laughs> happening this fall. Yeah. Menlo's celebrating 150 years Crazy. of uh, being uh, a place where people have found Jesus and walked mm-hmm. with Jesus. And have we done some? stupid things along the way and been imperfect absolutely we've done you know we have not been a perfect church but we have been 
uh, a church that has had an opportunity to be used by God in a lot of really beautiful and wonderful mm-hmm. ways for 150 years. Mm-hmm. And we're celebrating that in November. Uh, we are we got starting point, a three-week version of starting point oh, in September right after mm-hmm. the week second week or you know after Labor Day week that then the next week starts sure. starting point at all of our campuses. Uh, we are going to do a series late no- September early through no October what is it my month uh, on explore God which uh, churches throughout the Bay Area are doing this series yeah. and we're going to be just it's an opportunity to to maybe you're exploring God. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've been in the church for a long time, but you realize I've never really explored God for myself. It's been a family thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have a friend or a coworker or a classmate who you're having conversations with about Jesus and God and Christianity. And this might be one of the things where you go, hey, our church is doing a series on this. And, you know, here's what I would say I'd be like, come check out the series. And then you and I have to go to lunch or grab coffee or whatever and i want i want to hear how you're experiencing what my ch- church is preaching mm-hmm. you know let them mm-hmm. not like us let them <laughs> think we're wrong i don't know but again use it as a platform for relationship not mm-hmm. to you need to go listen to my church we got all the answers right. um but no we do want to but we do think you know we do believe there is truth we do mm-hmm. believe that there are answers mm-hmm. uh and we have what we believe to be true, and we will share that uh, unapologetically. But it, I think it'd be a great place for your friends to come and mm-hmm. and push back against us. We're going to have Explore Guide groups on all of the campuses, as well as a lot of our life groups are going to be using that. Because we've said to our life groups, which I hope they believe me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they should. Well, I think there's this thing like, well, we don't need to do the Explore God thing because, you know, we're such amazing. We've been Christians for a long time. We don't need that. We all need to go back, right? Mm-hmm. We all need to return sometimes. Mm-hmm. I used to do groups where I would say to my group, for the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to pretend as best you can, put on your imagination hat, that you are not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was especially helpful for people who grew up in the church, who don't – and it, I love that God's grace pursued them at, through their family, early in life, all that, mm-hmm. but – they maybe haven't had a mark or a time when they've had to think think that through. And so just to say, hey, we're going to look at some things, uh, and I want you to look at it through the lens of, okay, if I didn't believe, you know, if I weren't a Christian, if I didn't believe this, would I believe that? Mm-hmm. Do I think? Mm-hmm. And it just stirs up great conversation. So I'm hoping uh, some of those life groups who've been around for a while and, and are, they are very deep and mature in their faith, uh, might use the materials and push themselves a little bit to kind of put that hat on for mm-hmm. a season. Do I remember what it was like to not be a Christian? Did I Have I ever known that? Have I ever pushed yeah. back? So yeah. we're going to have Explore God groups. Um, wow. God, so many. What else is going on in the fall? There's a lot of things. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Let's just yep. say that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I say something about the backpack drive? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I want to celebrate this. Okay. Yeah. We set a goal of we are one church in many locations, so we don't have individual campus goals. Uh, We have one goal, which was 500 backpacks across all of our campuses. And the backpacks go to? They go to an organization called Giving Tree and who places them in schools throughout the Bay Area uh, who and for students who would not be able to have that. Uh, that kind of resource, mm-hmm. and so, and what I love about this organization is they're they've been doing it for years, and they're really connected to those 
uh, areas that are, might be marginalized mm-hmm. and sure. students who have those needs. And the way they do it is they do it in a way that's not, um, hey, we're the great people yep. giving you a backpack. It's really done with honor and grace and that's all that cool. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. So we said we want to get 500 backpacks across all of our campuses. And do we need a little drum roll for the number? Yeah. And let me tell you, we've collected and more are being counted. Yeah. We've collected. I just got some new numbers before I came down here. So probably right now we're at about 720 something. (gasps) And I think we're going to end up with about, yeah, 750 backpacks. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, we're going to go, Vicki and I are going to go pick them up tomorrow from some of our campuses. And then we deliver them to the organization uh, Wednesday morning. So we'll have a final number. But I would just want to say, shout out Menlo Church. Last year we did some, we did them at, I, I don't think every campus did a backpack drive, and mm-hmm. I think we collected a, a little over 300 across. Mm-hmm. So we have already doubled what we collected last year. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it, just awesome. So way, way to go, go everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Changing Big shout lives. out to Megan Cole, yes. uh, Adam Hendricks, Friends all of, of our connections yeah. directors were really a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. So th- that's uh, Taylor and Taylor. And Abigail and mm-hmm. Rhea's on sabbatical, so juice. Thank you. She probably you. still found time. Oh yeah, I know. I honestly, she did. no. There's a woman at Saratoga. Saratoga oh, collected yeah. a ton, and they're still collecting. Nice. Uh, and a Mary, Marianne. Okay, I think, I think that's what it I said. Think Marianne is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you, Marianne, at Saratoga campus. Yes. Or Mary Sue or Mary Lou. I but I think it is Marianne. <laughs> Awesome. Way to be for the Bay, everybody. Yeah, yes. for the Bay. Hashtags for pulling, the Bay. Pulling it back together. Yeah. All right, Cheryl, I have one last question for Ooh. you. And I want to ask this to you specifically because I feel like you are a perfect person to ask for this. Um, <laughs> the setup. Yeah, well, we talked about, you know, series coming up, um, mm. having conversations with people mm. and dialoguing. And something that I've appreciated a lot about this series is another through line besides grow up with your face so you don't mm. grow out of it mm-hmm. is... Let's find a way to have appropriate conversations and be okay with not believing and thinking the exact same thing. So as someone that may have experience with this, Mm -hmm. what advice would you have around conversations as we're going to be entering into conversations with people about maybe this message or messages to come? And we might be receiving some pushback. Or like you said, we might be at a coffee shop and say, great, tell me all the things, you know, give me it straight. Yeah. So how should we approach this kind of of conversations? And if you have any tips or encouragements, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. um, I could give you some uh, books or links for your show notes. I think that'll be helpful. But so I'm just going to say two simple things where we need to begin. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited that we're going to help you with this at Menlo. Um, Number one. You have to have friends who are not Christians. Mm. Okay. I mean, what a take! I, I know it, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like rocket science, mm-hmm. but but part of that is uh, two two easy ways to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you have a job, if you work, uh, I had a friend years ago who he was he was actually in grad school and working, but he set aside in his budget to. T- to go to lunch, he could. He had to take his lunch to work. Every he was working for a major company, he was you know, mm-hmm. but he was doing a MBA program on the side, and he was newly married. They didn't have a lot of money anyway, so he set aside money to go to lunch once a week with a coworker. Hmm. Not necessarily to buy their lunch, but if you can do that, do that. Mm-hmm. But and 
that that's that is your baby step. Mm. Just decide who could I go to lunch with. Mm-hmm. If I if you work at Google and there's a big cafeteria, who could I go sit next to? Right, and and this is not for extroverts. Introverts, mm. we're not saying go to lunch with twenty people. <laughs> this is actually your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one person. Just go to lunch with somebody, mm-hmm. and then here's the thing: all you have to do is ask questions mm. and listen, and you don't have to ask weird questions. Uh, you can ask questions like, "Hey." We've been working together for a long time. I don't even know if I know where you're from. Or, hey, how are things? What's, what's been something that's been really giving you life lately? Mm-hmm. What's been really crushing you these days? You know, what's mm-hmm. been hard for you? Um, and you share you too. Just make sure you don't do most of the talking. Um, you do most of the listening. Mm-hmm. So if you're in school, a classmate, mm-hmm. somebody, if you're in high school, Mm-hmm. What what table could you go sit at that you might not normally sit at and just mm-hmm. go, just start, I want to get to know you guys. What are you into? Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know, just ask mm-hmm. normal questions. You don't have to be weird. <laughs> um, so uh, definitely just get, make friends on your, on your street. Um, mm-hmm. Go next door and borrow the baking powder for your recipe rather than driving to Safeway because you thought it was baking soda and you didn't realize just go next door are you speaking from experience (laughs) thank you cc for giving me that she's a menlo person but she did give me the baking powder uh she's my neighbor but get to know people begin to build friendships don't start with i need to start telling somebody about jesus Mm -hmm. start with i need to have some friends outside of Mm -hmm. my church community Mm -hmm. um and then the other thing is pray and pray, and pray, Hmm. and pray some more. So we are going to do a series, before we do the Explore God series on purpose, we're doing a series called Teach Us to Pray. I think that's what it's called, at least now it is, Mm -hmm. it was. Uh, Teach Us to Pray, and we're going to spend four or five weeks talking about how to pray, and we're going to give you some tools around this. How do you pray for your neighbors? How do you pray for your non-believing friends? How do you pray for yourself? How do you pray for your family? So Really, truly, we cannot overemphasize that there's a you know multiple times in scriptures that says salvation is of the Lord. If you want somebody to come to faith, if you want to be part of that, mm-hmm. then you've got to be a praying person. A uh, little small story on prayer this uh, the, just this weekend. Not to brag on myself or anything like that. Um, I uh, when we were doing the backpack drive. Um, Megan came up to me at the Menlo Park campus and just shared that, hey, uh, this woman ca- came up mm-hmm. and said that uh, she ca- goes by our campus all the time, walks by. It's the Menlo Park campus is easy, easy to walk by, right? And she saw our backpack drive thing out in the courtyard, uh, and she said, I I just love, it always seems like really good things are happening here. I don't have time to come into the church service, but I just wanted to drop by. So she dro- she came by and just got information about mm. Menlo, chatted with her a little bit about it, and all that kind of stuff. So Megan came over and shared that with me, excited about the backpack drive sure. stuff, right? On the way to church that morning, I said to Megan, I said, this is so sweet of the Lord uh, to have you tell me the story because literally uh, as I was driving to church, one of the things I prayed, God would you awaken maybe people who drive by our campuses mm. 
mm-hmm. walk by our campuses, not just Menlo Park, all of our campuses, would there be somebody today who comes into our church just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. but because your spirit nudged them? Mm-hmm. And again, this woman didn't necessarily come into the worship service, but she had a contact with us. Hmm. She stepped onto our campus. She had a conversation with Megan, and she wants to come back. Wow. And I I just felt like the Lord was like, that's, that's right. why you should pray <laughs> when you, you know, that's why you should ask me for specific things. I can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So. Amazing. So prayer and friendships. Be normal. Just be a friend to somebody. And then, then those conversations about God and exploring Him, they will come, maybe not perfectly naturally, but they will come mm-hmm. more naturally, yeah, and you'll have more opportunity. I love that. Yeah. Great. Well, Cheryl, thanks so much. Yeah. yeah. Yay. And for all of you that are listening, if you have any questions or want more information about anything we talked about, talked about today, uh, you can text us at 650-600-0402. And we just hope that everyone's having a great week. Yeah. yeah. Way to go, everybody with backpack yes. drives. I'm so, uh, so incredible. So amazed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So stoked yeah. about that. Awesome. Yeah. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Oh, yeah. Forgot the cameras were even here. <laughs>